Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Chris. I'm one of the pastors at Cornerstone Church Whirl in Merseyside, and I'm joined by Josh Walsh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Whirl. And today we're going to chat about how we grow an evangelistic culture within the church. And we hope that that's going to be useful for the members of the church and really anyone else who's listening to this podcast as they seek to grow in their faith in Christ and as they step out into all that God has called them to do. This podcast is an extension of the ministry that we already do at Cornerstone Wirral in order to encourage you and equip you as members of the church while you're on mission for Jesus in the world around you. So you're invited into the conversation with Josh and I as we discuss relevant and current topics to equip the church, as well as share some stories that will hopefully encourage you as you step into all that God has before you. So Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing swimmingly. It's been great. It's a bit wet outside. Swimmingly because it's raining? It's raining. Yeah, we had some nice weather. It was like three days worth of nice weather yep. over Easter. And now it's a, it's a bit it's a bit damp. It's a bit, a bit rubbish. Um, but we've just celebrated Easter. We've had a, a great time focusing in on the center point of history. The, the reason we do what we do uh, to preach Christ and him crucified and to celebrate his resurrection and all that that means. What... What's been some of your reflections? What's been some of your highlights over this past week or two? Yeah, it's been a great weekend, hasn't it? So encouraged um, by the message of the gospel again. That is that is why we do what we do. It's what we love to do. Make much of Jesus. The gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe. Okay. And that was uh, demonstrated as we gathered across all those various different points. You know, you think through Thursday night, what we did, soaking in Isaiah 53, just mm. reflecting on what Christ suffered and accomplished, taking communions together, really intimate, somber at times, but really good to sit in the, that moment. Um, the, the kind of walk around Friday, I thought was really helpful. It's tangible. It's, you, you can visualize it. You can pray, slow down, really, really good. So I think those two things together help people. Um, I really enjoyed them. So good. Those things, whenever you've maybe not experienced them before, or sometimes we just need to remember. Sometimes yeah. we need to walk through that kind of stuff because we, we sometimes become too numb to, to the gospel's message yeah. and actually walking through tangible kind of being able to feel things, being able to read through things and focus and, and feel almost in the environment mm. just really helps the mind and the heart connect mm, absolutely. Uh, with the story of the, the gospel yeah. and particularly over Easter. Yeah. Yeah, love Sunday. And then Monday, like when you think about it, as much as it was just a, a kind of casual walk, when I was walking around, I was I was thinking that this this walk can only happen because of Jesus died and rose again. Mm. So so many people might have just thought it was a social outing. Mm. But for me, it was more than that. It was more Christ died for this bride. Yeah. And these people walk around here and light off the resurrected Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So when you think about it in those terms, Monday was epic. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit like a procession yeah. through Royden Park, wasn't it? It was a bit mad. Everyone walking past was like, what on earth is going on here? We should have carried a banner with us, let people know uh, who we were, what we were about. Yeah, it was such a great weekend. I think one of my one of my highlights was was seeing so many people come to uh, to to kind of witness the baptism of of, of Steph and, and Lara and Dola uh, and Soph as well. Um, and that was, that was so amazing being able to talk to them afterwards, hear their stories, uh, chatting to those friends and family members that have come along and uh, hearing, hearing about their life and, and the joy that they had in, in seeing, uh, those, those women, uh, stepping into the waters of baptism. So, so good to see that and all that that meant. And, and even it was, it was so encouraging to see that there was loads of people there on Sunday who 
weren't there for the baptisms, had no clue about the baptisms going on, but were there because they had been invited uh, by, by friends. Uh, we had some neighbors who, who came, um, others had family who came, and it was just so good to, to see that. And I've often talked about how Christmas particularly, and you know I all love Christmas, but like a Christmas- love car- Christmas? I, I love I Christmas. I didn't know that about it's you. Only, it's only like a few more weeks until I start listening to Christmas music, but it, Christmas leads to Easter. It's all about Easter. Uh, but I've always said that like carol services are an easy invite to people. And, and kind of Easter Sunday is is a bit like that too. It's an easy invite. People are, are kind of interested in going to church and on, for a carol service and, and on Easter Sunday. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be inviting people for the other 50 weeks of the year to come along to church, to come along into our lives, to come and experience um, the gospel uh, and Christ crucified as we proclaim that each and every week. And as I reflect, there's a lot of people who have come to faith, who have shared their story with us. Um, and one of the main catalysts that God has used to transform their lives, to change their hearts, was a simple invite to church or a simple invite to something that um, they're, they're doing um, in the midst of a gospel community. And from that, um, they get to see Jesus. They get to meet Jesus for themselves. I was I was talking to someone at a party just uh, the other night. We were, we were talking about church, and that person knew about Cornerstone. Uh, her friend, whose birthday it was, was was sharing stories um, about Cornerstone, um, and and was in, had been inviting um, that person to to come along. And I absolutely love that, and I love hearing those things happening. But as we talked, we just got to simply continue that invitation. Uh, to to come and see for themselves, to come and see what we're about, to come and see who we're about, to come and see Jesus. And so how do we go about continuing to build that invitational, that evangelistic culture within the church? How do we continue having serious conversations and be unashamedly inviting people uh, to come and see for themselves? Well, we'll start start with invitational culture. So it is deeply biblical to have an invitational culture to come and see Jesus. You know, think about the woman at the well, she encounters Jesus. She goes back to the village, you know, come, come meet a man, come see a man. Mm. He told me everything I ever did. And it's, it's that, isn't it? So like some people find this hard. Yeah. They find it hard to go like, oh, it's strange. Isn't it having an invitational culture? You know, it's strange inviting people. I want to firmly disagree. Mm. I think we all have invitational cultures in our lives. It's just we invite people to what we love most. Yeah. So we invite people to birthday parties. We invite people to celebrations, to gatherings. We invite people around to watch the match. We invite people around uh, to watch Britain's Got Talent. We invite people around to watch Saturday Night Takeaway. We invite people to the park. We invite people to family gatherings. We invite people to come see our new homes that we move into. We come invite people to come see our garden that we've just done. We invite people around for a barbecue. So you see, this idea of invitational Mm. culture is completely normative in all of our lives. We already do this. Mm. But I'm going to go one step deeper and say, we invite people to that which we love most. And so it's more about reorientating our invitational lives 
our evangelistic lives around the most important thing. We evangelize about everything. Let me evangelize you about this new phone. It's amazing. <laughs> you need to get one of these. Let me evangelize you about this new TV. It's amazing. You should get one. Let me evangelize you about this new car I got. Let me evangelize you about uh, this new app I have. Let me evangelize you about this new f- food and recipe uh, or pink color on my wall or yeah. whatever. You see? We, we constantly talk about the things that we love most. We do it all the time. And so what we're trying to encourage is let's continue to be praying that Lord give us a deeper love for you mm-hmm. and give us a greater conscious awareness of you throughout every moment of our lives. Let us, let, and when that is, when those prayers are being answered, the evidence will be seen in our conversation about Jesus in the everyday and our, and our invitation to engage with that. Now, that happens in very different ways, isn't it? So we need to be careful that you're not hearing us say the goal is to invite people to a service. Mm. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is the gospel is the power of salvation unto all who believe. And our greatest desire is for, is for all to believe. And the message is the gospel. So how do we help people come under the sound of the gospel so that they can hear of their need of a savior, hear of a great savior in Jesus Christ and come to believe in him by faith. That's what we're saying. Mm. And so we are a church that believes the church is not a building, but a people. We're, we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are the living temple. Uh, we are the household of God. We carry that wherever we go. So wherever we are, we're carrying with us the gospel of Jesus Christ in the power of the Spirit. So it's, a, it's, a, it's therefore essentially inviting anyone and everyone to come to hear and see the gospel yeah. in our lives live together. For some, that means to a building on a Sunday, mm-hmm. to some that means to a living room on a Wednesday night, to some that means a kids club on a Tuesday morning or a Friday night, to some that means to the park when I take my kids, yeah. to some to that means to the pub to watch a match, to some it means to go for a run together, to go play squash together, whatever it is. Mm. If we believe the spirit indwells us, and we believe the gospel is the power of salvation unto all who believe, it's about welcoming people into our lives as they see us live out the reality of the gospel. Yeah. And if it's every day, if that's our everyday life, exuding the gospel, showing and displaying the gospel, then people will see that and they'll hear that. Absolutely. As we continue to, to, to speak much of Jesus, because he is the center point of our life. He is, mm-hmm. he is the one in, in whom we worship and, and desire to make known to, yep. to others. I, there's a, there's a section in John's gospel um, that I, I, constantly use, um, as I think through what it was, it look like to have this invitational culture. Um, and it's, it's right at the beginning, kind of, uh, Jesus is, is walking past John the Baptist and John the Baptist says, look, there's the lamb of God. Um, and John's disciples go, go and start following Jesus in a creepy kind of way. They start following Jesus. I get this little impression that Jesus kind of ties his shoelace, looks behind him, see what's going on. Um, and, and ultimately Jesus is like, look, what, what are you looking for? Who are you seeking? And they, they ask him like, Rabbi, teacher, where are you, where are you staying? And he says, come and, come and see, come and find out. And, and the reason being, they, they wanted to know more about this lamb of God. They wanted to find out who he was. They wanted to ask their questions. And then they, they come to Jesus and they, they spend time with him. And, and Andrew runs off to his brother, Peter. And he's like, look, we we found the Messiah. You got to come and see this. You got to like, he's loving Jesus so much. He's, he's so excited by what he sees that he's chasing after his, his brother to tell him, come and, come and check this out. And then there's another, just shortly after that in, in chapter one, 
there's another time whenever Philip um, goes and, and basically Jesus meets him and says, follow me. And then Philip goes and runs to his mate, Nathaniel. And he's like, we find the guy, we find the guy that the Messiah that all the prophets have talked about. And Nathaniel goes, catch yourself on. It can't be him. It can't be him. He's almost denying sure it. You didn't say, I think that's the Northern Irish version yeah, of okay, the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just caveat that. That's a uh, Northern Irish standard version. Um, and he's like, he's denying it. And how often we we kind of we go into conversations with friends, bubbling with enthusiasm, wanting to tell them about Jesus, and they're like, "It's not for me. I don't think what you're saying is true. I don't agree with that." And what I love is Philip is like, okay, whatever you think, but just come and see for yourself. Just come and see. Let's, in our, in our scenario, let's open the Bible. Let's have a look at John's gospel ourselves and see what, who Jesus is. Or why don't you come along to a gospel community barbecue that we're having and meet some people who have also come and seen who Jesus is. And I just love how, it, almost like the simplicity of it, but yet it's a real boldness to go, come and see. Come and see this Jesus for yourself. Ultimately, Nathaniel does come and uh, try and find Jesus and, uh, and Jesus finds him. And, and all of a sudden, Nathaniel's like, wow, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He, he gets it as he meets Jesus. So we're not inviting people to come and see us. No, no. We're inviting people mm. to come and see Jesus. And as they do, they respond to him. Yeah. And um, what do you think is the thing that hinders us? Doing that. Uh, our, well, our greatest fear is the rejection of man. It's that this person won't like me if I invite them or this person will treat me differently or this people will think bad of me. Uh, and so we're, we're ultimately crippled by the fear of man mm. in those. Um, maybe, or, or maybe second leaders, maybe we don't actually believe it. Right. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe we don't actually believe what we're saying. Thirdly, maybe, maybe we don't want to share it. I've, I've seen some really dark, dark hearts where people have said, I actually don't want that person to come to church. This is my space. That's really sad. Mm. Um, what, what I, but what I love to hear is, you know, Easter is just one example of this. Isn't it? I love, I love to hear stories from unbelievers when they come and their worst fears aren't realized. Yeah. I love that. I never thought it was like this. This yeah. isn't what I thought church was like. Yeah. You're all friendly. <laughs> You're actually welcoming. Yeah. I've never felt so welcome before. Um, I might have disagreed with what Josh said, but you know, respect the church or whatever it is. It's like they, everybody leaves, um, having, I think experienced a gospel culture. Mm. And I think, I think that should encourage us. Everybody in the church should be encouraged that when their friends come, they can be assured of what's actually going on. They can trust what they're coming into. Yeah. They know that people are going to be welcomed well. They're going to be received well. They're going to be listened to. They're going to be heard. They're going to, they're going to be um, respected. Mm. You know, that, so I, I just think, I think there's, there's nothing to fear in what you bring people to. Yeah. The fear typically lies in ourselves. And we don't need to fear that. Do we need to fear that? For me, the worst case scenario is you never see that person again and you, how can you put your head in your pillow at night? No, I had all that opportunity and I didn't do anything with it. Mm. And so it's that case of that. But I also think for the, for those that we have a really good culture of it where, where people are regularly inviting and, you know, it's two, three, four years now and people keep saying no and it gets harder. They shouldn't be discouraged mm. by that. 
you know, that's that's often what we do. We compare and like, oh, such and such brought him. You know, Chris brought his neighbours, my neighbours didn't come or my family members didn't come. And it's not about comparison and it's not about competing. It, it, you know, there's no, no reason to be, don't be discouraged by that. You know, the discouragement isn't, oh, they don't like me or whatever. Like the heart desire is I long for them to know Jesus. So I'm disappointed when they don't come. But it's not a rejection of, of you per se. You know, so we trust God in his timing. We trust the spirit as he moves. Uh, there's been so many stories of people in the life of the church who were invited and invited and invited and invited and and then eventually came. And there's also so many stories of people who said yes all the time and came and came and came and yeah. still don't believe today. Yeah. Uh, and so like we do not dictate h- how God saves and what he does. Our role is simply to be the evangelistic event, which is to live our lives on display of the gospel, proclaiming it and inviting people to see Jesus. That's our role in salvation. And we, and we leave the rest up to God in the midst of it. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't be so discouraged when people say no or don't come. And we shouldn't have a, a false type of arrogance because those people came on Sunday. Like we need, we shouldn't have like blood sugar spikes <laughs> in how we feel week to week. Mm-hmm. I think maturity is understanding that, the times and the yeah. stage we live in. We understand that particularly these events of Christmas and Easter will 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 peak and trough. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay. You know, we're but we we our, our mood shouldn't be up and down because of that. We should we take the encouragements to go, wow, like look at the opportunity we have. Like how do we realize this? How do we step into this? How do we follow up? How do we continue to engage in this? So it should serve as a real encouragement, but it shouldn't lead us to um being naive or thinking wrongly about yeah. what it means. And, and certainly the goal certainly isn't for people to go away and say, look how great Cornerstone is. Yeah. That, uh, that would be my, my worst day ever. If, if, if the whole church went away talking about Cornerstone church mm. at Easter, like I'd be devastated yeah. about that. The The goal is to walk away going and look how great Jesus is. Mm-hmm. So let's never be a church that's about inviting people because our church is great or going away thinking our church is great. The goal is always come see Jesus and leave knowing Jesus is great. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really interesting. I, I often get asked this question um, about like what we do, like whether we, whether we do evangelistic events or, or missional events throughout the year. And, and as I begin to answer the question to the person that asked me their their face often comes in a state of confusion um, because they know that people are coming to faith and they, they kind of don't know. So what, what I tend to say is we don't have a regular rhythm of, of, of events. We, we seek to do every day, kind of low key. Everyone is on mission together. And, and a lot of, a lot of people don't understand that they haven't can, kind of grasped that. Uh, but yet it's probably one of the most beautiful things that I, I, I enjoy about Cornerstone because we're just all in this together. We're, we're a family on mission. And you'll, you'll have often heard us talk about being low key, everyday, ordinary mission. That, that, that's what we're all about. As, as elders, we're we're called and commissioned to, to build up and to equip the church. And that's every single person that makes up the church to be on mission for Jesus, being disciples that are making disciples. And whether that's in the family context, whether that's in school, whether that's in friendship groups, whether that's in the community that they live or, or just making the most of every opportunity that comes their way. Why do we do it that way? And why do other churches not do it that way? And why is there such confusion about that? And, and what can we learn from that? How can we better equip each other to be on mission in the everydayness of life? If, if everybody was sat in a room 
with us right now, I'd simply hand them the Bible <laughs> and I'd say, show me, show me the evangelistic event. And the evangelistic event is the people of God. Mm. So this isn't to say evangelistic events, invitational events, attractional events are wrong and shouldn't be done. I think what it means is, is that every church has to continually ask the question, what is the most effective way and contextual way of reaching the communities in which we reside so that more people come to know about Jesus? Okay, what do you mean by that? So a church has to survey its community it exists in. And it has to think, oh, what is the most effective way? What is the, the way in which people will respond and have opportunities to hear about the gospel? So let's just take the Passion for Life thing we did as a World Gospel Partnership last year. Glenn Shrivener, the most renowned evangelist in the UK right now, is coming to Wirral uh, to, to declare the gospel every night for a whole week. Uh, one, <laughs> no non-Christians know who Glenn Shrivener is. Mm -hmm. Two, they don't even know what an evangelist is. Three, they've got no interest in coming to a building and hearing about Jesus. So when the churches were all told, go and invite people to this wonderful event, the churches didn't have anybody to invite because they don't have an evangelistic culture in their church. Mm. What they have is a culture of evangelistic events. But now the churches are finding that they don't have anybody to invite to the events, which shows that, they have, that they're, they're starting in the wrong place. So therefore we've, we've always had this conviction and culture and, you know, this praise God is not just something I dreamt up. I've, I've, I'm deeply convinced biblically by this, that it has always been the people of God who have been the attractional yeah. means by which when they live life on life together in community on mission, the world look in and go, wow, not how amazing are those people, but who is the God that brings these people together to live such evangelistic lives? So that's what I mean. I mean, every church has to constantly ask in every age and every generation and every stage to say, what is the most effective means of reaching the communities in which we exist? Mm -hmm. And where we live right now in this country, in our context, the most effective way of doing that is the planting of churches. Yeah. And why? Because it gets more local people reaching more local people. So what, let's just be real about it. Sunday was a real issue. Building was full. We ran out of chairs. There's no more space for anyone to sit. Yeah, I didn't look. I, like, I wasn't surprised that that happened. Mm -hmm. For me, I think we've been on the cusp of that for a long time. And mm -hmm. I think people, I'm glad people are beginning to realize what the Lord is doing and in free this church. I'm so encouraged. Yeah. But the reality is we were just one building on Sunday on Wirral. You know, it didn't matter. We had 220 or 230 people here on Sunday. There's 330,000 people that exist on Wirral. Yeah, we are, we are not smashing up just because our building is full. I want to see 10 buildings full mm. on every Easter Sunday all Amen. over Wirral in 10 years time. So that's that's the reality. So like, what does that mean and look like? Well, how are we, well the answer to that isn't this is doing an evangelistic, evangelistic event in Little Sutton, in Ellesmere Port, in Wallasey, New Brighton, uh, Heswell and Neston. There you go. This is the evangelist. That doesn't work like that. Where are the people of God? How are they living out their lives in the context of everyday life? For it's the slow way. It's but it is the most sustainable way because uh, nine years ago, our first Easter Sunday, we had nine people in our service. Yeah. And like you know, back then it's like let's do an evangelist. You know, people might have compromise their convictions when your first Easter Sunday as a church, you get nine people there mm. and you're like, do we compromise 
And I was like, no. People might be like, it's the university event. We need to fly her the whole of Bebbington. No, like it doesn't, it doesn't work. We have not done evangelistic events over the last 10 years. And yet we've gone from nine to 230 odd on Sunday. And the reality is what have we done? Well, I got asked the same question by somebody else on Sunday and I was like, and God's people have lived out the gospel in the context of everyday life in community, where they live, where they work, where they leisure and have proclaimed the gospel, displayed the gospel and invited people to come and see. It's not rocket science. Yeah. And I, I'm just, as you're talking there, I'm thinking of like even Paul going to Philippi uh, and he, he preaches on the Sunday, but then uh, on, on the Sabbath day, but then what does he go and do? He goes down to the river and uh, to where he perceives people might be praying and he comes across a group of women and he basically shares the gospel with them. That is the river is like our modern day coffee shop. It's our modern day school gates. It's our modern day workplace. Um, what's going on there? It's just a, an, every day conversation with someone and through that conversation they come and see Jesus they come to faith in Jesus and there's the beginning of a of a church plant he then ends up in prison and through the miraculous work of God um could have escaped from prison but chose not to to stand firm and the jailer is about to take his take his own life and he intervenes and that jailer and his family come to know Jesus. They come to see Jesus for themselves. And we have a church planted in that area and that church grows and grows to the church that Paul writes a letter to, mm. um, in the new Testament. And it's like that, that is what we're seeking to do to go where people are at yeah. and share the gospel with them. And I, I think that's, we, we are trying to fight to continue to create the space in the margin in the life of the church that that continues. So naturally, as the church has got a lot bigger, we have to put some structures and systems in place. We have to have some processes in place. We have to do training. We have to do different things to ensure that we don't dilute what we have as a church, but to strengthen and multiply it. And so, but we constantly as elders are wrestling through. I don't, we don't want to have too many meetings. We don't yeah. want to fill the diary. We want to keep the diary free. Um, so that people can continue to be on mission and keep those things. Because think about it, like we can't just keep saying to people, come to a building, come to a building, come to a building. The gospel is come to a person. Mm. And every time we stand, you know, because technically our building's on the top of a hill, every time we literally stand on the top of a hill and tell people to come to a building, come to a building, they're, they're, they're not hearing the gospel and us saying that. They're saying come to, a, they're hearing us say come to a religious event. Mm-hmm. What we need to be doing is like, we need to go to where they are, just like Paul went to the river. Like Jesus went to the woman at the well. Yeah. Like Jesus went to the people in the crowds. Like Jesus traveled around. Like we need to go to the places where people are and show them Jesus. That's why our gospel communities were so intent on that. Um, You know, like you might have, you have a formal gathering on a Sunday and through the week that leaves you the rest of the week to be thinking through how best can I use my time intentionally to make Jesus known? Like that's, that's the heartbeat. That's ultimately when you strip it all away, what we're, yeah. what we're trying to say is like, don't be, don't be lazy or passive mm. with your time, but be proactive and engaged in people's lives and use your gospel community. So like, I know like I'm not brilliant one-on-one with people. I, sh- I struggle with that. Like put me in a group and better, but like, so I'm like, well, let's, 
the best way for me to reach my friends is like, well, I'm going to gather a group of people and do an event. Like I enjoy hospitality and hosting and all that type of stuff. So I'm just going to create a group environment yeah. that makes it easier to invite people in and they can hear other people talk about Jesus or like a barbecue or a walk or whatever it is. Like play to your strengths, yeah. recognize your weaknesses and bring in the people who are strong in your weaknesses in your gospel community and create that environment. Yeah. That's so, yeah. It's so useful to have that within the gospel community environment. Um, it, it is, it is hard to just be a one person trying to evangelize to the rest of your group. And sometimes it, it helps having a, a partner in the gospel coming alongside, um, and, and asking those harder questions that kind of you, you've maybe struggled to ask. I know I've, I've come across that a number of times and have, have been brought in or, or the other way. Um, I've been brought in to help one of my brothers in Christ with their friend. Um, so as we can just sit at the pub and answer their questions. Absolutely. And those, those moments are, are joy-filled moments, mm. um, both for the person who has been longing for their friend to know Jesus and, and having brothers and sisters come in and support and help and be prayerfully um, longing for that person to come to Christ too. And then it fuels our prayers as gospel communities because we then begin to know not just a name on a piece of paper, but a person in front of us. And we begin praying more intentionally. We begin praying more wholeheartedly for that person to come to faith. We, we begin praying and planning for opportunities to, to hang out with that person in the informal, going for a walk, going to the gym, playing squash, going for coffee, going for a beer, whatever it might be. And then also in the, hey, why don't you come to this? When I'm having a barbecue in my house and then we're having GC afterwards. Why don't you come and stay around? If you want to stay around, that's great. If you don't want to stay around, that's cool. And over time, as that develops, you get deeper and deeper in conversation with that person. I love that. Mm. I love whenever that happens. And I pray for more of it to happen. Mm. I also think we need to get get their metrics right in terms of like, it takes the average person to go from not knowing the gospel to becoming a Christian now 10 years. Mm. And so, and that's, that might be out of date. That was like yeah. three years ago. I heard that. And so we've got to get our metrics right in the sense of like, we almost like have one invite and we're like, oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's all over now. I'm like, well, if it takes an average person 10 years, then like actually, you know, there are those that are very fast, but then they're most are over a very long period of time. And so we've got to recognize that actually, you know, building friendships, relationships are happening over a long period of time. And that investment is, isn't just a short-term, temporary, quick fix. It's going to take a long-term, which is yeah. why our evangelistic strategy is a long-term, low-key, relational. Amen. Um, that's why we say that. And that's why we hopefully encourage you as you listen to this. Is like, actually, we're in, this, we're, we're in this with you for the long haul, with your friends. And we will do everything Absolutely. we can to equip you to continue to be on mission and help you on that. Yeah, we've talked about our Easter service being maybe a peak, um, and then we might experience some some troughs uh, following those 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 kind of pinnacle moments in the in the calendar. What happens if we continue to grow in a gospel culture of in, inviting people to church, and people start coming? How how do we prayerfully plan ahead for the future? What's that look like? Yeah, well, I think hopefully we know as a church we've always had this in mind. It's not a surprise, not a shock. Um, but it's, you know, as you say on Sunday, perhaps people got a glimpse of like, oh, flip me. Like this is, this is full. There's nowhere to, there's nowhere to sit. There's, I think as Christians, we get really encouraged by that, but also we need to shift our perspective to see uh, for non-believers that was probably deeply intimidating. Chaotic. Chaotic. At times. I, I think for unbelievers to come into that and go like, oh, I, I, 
actually, I think most of the unbelievers would have felt rude on Sunday because they had to walk in and somebody had to give up their seat for mm. them to sit down. Yeah. Um, I think the the intensity of the amount of people there was is really uncomfortable for non-believers coming in. Um, and then that's just an, maybe just an average person. If you're an introvert and that, like that's your worst nightmare. Yep. If you're an extrovert, you're starting to thrive a bit. And, if, and there's everybody else who's in between. So it's that kind of sense of, um, it was wonderful and encouraging for us as a church. Um, and there's loads of people away as well on Easter mm. holidays, you know, so we got even more. And then there's, but I think starting to view it through the lens of, man, if we, if we don't do something here, like we will sh- quickly shift into trying to maintain this. Yeah. And then the next step after maintenance mode is museum mode, mm. where we look at the artifacts of what used to, and we start, we start saying stuff like it was good in the good old days, wasn't it? Yeah. Remember when this building used to be full? Mm and so therefore as a church we have to understand that we got to constantly think about okay how how do we encourage and steward well what the lord is doing in the midst in the midst of the people of god so for us it, it really is thinking about it is thinking about multiplication we, we talk about it at a gospel community level and now we're talking about it at a church level like we've got to multiply churches yeah so for example if It'd be interesting to look at the locations that all those people came from. So encouraging to see Steph, she brought loads of people who reside, uh, you know, in that kind of South Wirral area. Yeah. You know, so like we're asking unbelievers to drive quite a long way mm. um, for, out of their context to come to a building. What would it look like to have a, a, a local church closer to those areas where all yeah. those people are? I know those people in that, that neighborhood are engaging the lost um, regularly, sharing the gospel with people, reading the Bible with people. So mm. how do we help help them be on mission? Well, one way is actually we we get a church gathering, a church, a local church functioning in that location. It'd be interesting to look at where all those people came from. And the flip side of that is all those we know of that came from the kind of Babington Ferries area um, who came and, and this building was full of people from all over Wirral. You know, that sense of, there were, it felt like there was no space for them. Mm. And like, we are the local church for Babington yeah. and the ferries. And there was no space for locals from Babington's and the ferries here because it was full of people from South Wirral, West Wirral, North Wirral. Mm. So actually we got to recognize we're, we're, we're not, a, yeah, I've been saying this for a while. Like we're not, it doesn't feel like we're a local church for these areas anymore. We're a church for Wirral. Yeah. Now I intentionally call the church Wirral for a reason but it doesn't mean it's always constrained to one building. And so therefore we got to think about multiplying churches into where the need is for churches, where people's friends are uh, and actually multiplying, multiplying out. So I think that's, that's the step. It's like, wow, this is great in one location, but actually imagine we had this in three or four or five locations where people can receive the welcome of Christ when they walk in. It's a hospitable welcoming place. There's just space for them. Uh, to be known and to know Jesus and to be known by the people. And I think that's really, really got to be on our forefronts of our minds because we can't sustain that. Yeah, um, We haven't got the capacity to do that. We need more leaders, we need more elders, we need more gospel communities to house all these people. We need people to step into the the need that is mm-hmm. obviously there for people to be in go- more gospel communities to welcome people into. So I think, you know, if you're thinking about what's the next two years look like, it's, it looks like all of that really. That's so cool. That's really exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and we, you, you see that through the through the New Testament, as kind of a, a church is formed in a certain area, people are maybe coming from different towns and, and villages on the outs, outskirts of that area, and so the, the the church planters, the apostles, they they kind of move uh, until there's no space left. 
yeah. uh, for another church. And, and that's kind of what we want. We want to see the world saturated yeah. with gospel-centered churches that are proclaiming Christ and him crucified. I'm sure, um, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but you know, Kat Newry's mum is a, is a frequent visitor to Cornerstone over the years. And like, every time she comes, she's like, oh, Josh, would you, you could just come and plant a church in Belfast mm-hmm. because we're, we're so needy as well. And I get the sentiment, but the, but the, it doesn't require me. Mm. It's about churches planting churches. Yeah. You know, I've got good friends now in North Wales, churches there saying, oh, would you come and start something here? It's like, it's not about, it's not about, that's not the answer. The answer is having churches that are on mission yeah. that are seeking to multiply themselves out to reach these areas. So everybody's agreeing there's massive need. Mm-hmm but everybody has to realize that to meet that massive need, the Lord is going to lead us in that. Yeah. And that's going to mean sacrifice at times. Yeah. Um, but is there anything more glorious to sacrifice for than the gospel going out and people being saved from an eternity of separation from the father in hell? Mm. No, there's not. That's the most important thing. And that's, that's exciting to think through what, what God is doing. We've been going through Nehemiah thinking through, what is God doing to rebuild, restore, renew, reawaken us uh, in prayer, in submission to his word, in, in making him known and making his glory known to the nations. And we have that opportunity in the here and now uh, to, to be part of that, not necessarily be the answer in and of ourselves for we are weak and we are small, but God uses his people to make himself known. Mm. And we pray for that across the world across North Wales, Chester, Merseyside, this whole nation mm. and the nations beyond as well. Now, as we think about all those people that did come, as we think about all those people who maybe come to a barbecue, how do we continue to pursue them well? How do we continue to, to be intentional with them? What, what, what does that look like? I think if you, if you think it's hard to have a conversation with somebody. If you're trying to, if you out of the blue about Jesus, how much easier is it to have a conversation with somebody who's just come and heard about Jesus? Do you see, do you see what I mean? So like often we're like, oh, how do I bring up Jesus in the canteen? Or like, how do I chat mm. to my neighbor about this? Or my friend I play sport with? It's really difficult. It doesn't naturally come up in conversation. Well, for, for those who had friends and family come, now is the perfect time. Strike while the iron is hot. Yeah. You know, honor them honor them by saying, I'm so thankful you came. That meant so much to me. I'd love to take you for a coffee and I'd love to ask what you thought mm. about this. Just tell me everything. Nothing you will say will offend me. Just mm. like, how did you find it? Yeah. Like the con- the, the lyrics of those songs said some interesting things. Like, what do you think about that? Or, you know, that guy at the front rabbited on for a long time, I know, but like what, in terms of what he said, like, what, what do you think? Like strike while the iron's hot. Mm. Don't let the opportunity pass you by. Um, and so I've be, you know, just, just ask like, can I, can I read the Bible with you? Shall we read that passage again? Like, did you have any questions yeah. about when it said Jesus canceled the record of debt that stood against us? Mm-hmm. You know, do you have any questions about that? Do you want to talk a bit more about what that means? Cause can I share what that means and how that's impacted me? Yeah. You know, it's simply just taking that next step, you know, invite them around for a dinner, follow up. Um, it's like ask them what, what what could we have done better yeah you know ask them like what wasn't good you know what did you find weird you know if they say it's weird somebody stands for us and preaches you can kind of say that's a bit of a non, non-negotiable in our church <laughs> you know we we're going to preach the bible because that's what we're actually supposed to do but if it's kind of like you know what i didn't get this i didn't understand that that needed to be explained or i didn't know where to go for this or you know that's great feedback 
Absolutely. That's stuff that we miss because we're so familiar. Absolutely. Um, so, so yeah, like let's, let's do that. I remember I heard a story of a pastor once who, who actually invited his neighbor and said, um, can you come with the explicit direction of, can you come and just check us out? Like, can you, can you test our welcome? Like a secret shopper. Yeah. Like test our welcome, like test. Yeah, yeah. Did you understand when we did this? Did you like, do you know what I mean? That yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. You know, there's stuff that people, people are going to feel uncomfortable when the gospel's preached. That's a non-negotiable. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people are like, oh, I don't like, I don't like standing and singing. Yeah. But you go to Anfield and sing. So you really don't have an issue of that. That's just because of the content of the words mm. or whatever it is. Um, you can tease through those things. But I just, I just what, a, what a great time now to follow up. Guys, we would love to hear your stories. Uh, if you've been anything like us, we've just been rhyming off stories that we've heard over the past few days and, and weeks, and it's been so exciting, but we would love to hear some of the highlights that you've had maybe as you've invited friends or, or family to, to your home, into your life, into your GC community, into church. Maybe what have you found difficult? Where have you struggled? We, we would love you to share some of those stories because we'd love to know. We'd love to know how you're getting on with this. Your stories are always so encouraging for us as, as elders at Cornerstone. The, the everyday stuff has so much significance when it's done for the glory of God. So do send us an email, chris at cornerstonechurchworld.org, so as we can be praying for you and praising God for what he is doing through you. Now, Josh, this is a bit of a long form uh, podcast this week, but you're heading off. Can I say something for you, dear? Go ahead. You might not say that when I say what I need to say. Can I just honor you for a minute? Absolutely. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> uh, thank you for all the hours that you spent in editing those videos to get those testimonies done. I know that wasn't short and I don't know how long it takes and people don't appreciate that, but yeah, thank you for spending the time producing that, not oh. just for those who were baptized, but for all of us who got to watch and Cheers. enjoy those and Cheers. those people. I, I have the joy of being able to see the whole thing um, and trying my best to keep as much of that gold of their testimony, of their story of how Jesus is interwoven within every element of it. And it's, it's a hard process to get it down that, that small. Um, but it is a joy and delight to do. Um, so I, thank you for, for that. I appreciate that. I love doing it. Uh, it's a real blessing, but Josh, you're heading away, uh, to the USA. You wanted a, a jingle or something right now for this, um, which we don't have. We're not that cool yet. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're not going on holiday. You're going to do something very particular. What kind of things are you going to be doing? Um, where are you going? Who are you meeting? Give us a lowdown. Yeah. So I have the privilege of being away, um, which which is which is wonderful, great. It's a pleasure. It does come with a cost. Um, so I can't I can't talk about the joy of it. How to also recognise the cost. So thank you to Annie and the family who released me to do this and you as a church as well. Yeah. Um, this is kind of was, was part of what we talked about when I stepped into this role of Acts 29. So uh, kind of, uh, so we, I'm flying to Houston. I'm going to spend 24 hours with Jeff Meadows. who was with us, uh, last a couple weeks ago, preaching for us, um, and spend time with him to do with Acts 29 assessment stuff, uh, and to chat a little bit about potential churches there that 
maybe want to partner or help us in the work that we're doing here on the world. Then I'm flying to Oklahoma um, and there we're connecting with some really good friends, a church there that's been very kind and generous to all the churches in the Cornerstone Collective over mm-hmm. the years. So we're going to spend some time with with the pastors there and to um, talk about partnership and friendship. Is that uh, Frontline? Frontline Oklahoma. Church, Oklahoma, yeah. They're going to think about leadership and training and development for leaders uh, okay. in that context. And then I'm flying back to Houston okay. for the weekend. And I'm spending a weekend with Sojourn Houston, who are very uh, uh, like-minded um, church and in a very similar stage to us as a church. And uh, those are the people that you saw you saw Reed in his video um, on Sunday as you gathered. So you will have uh, got a glimpse of that. And I'll be preaching for them that, that Sunday. Really excited for that, exploring more about partnership and what that might mean. And then from Houston, I'm taking taking a long flight to Antalya, Turkey. And there we have a Acts 29 Europe conference, um, particularly to help Turkey and that whole kind of region and part of the world in terms of church planting and yeah. helping them. So I'm not doing anything at that conference per se, but I'm meeting particular people to talk about assessment and helping them and stuff in Europe. And then I come back on the Thursday for a busy weekend. Yes, I can't wait for that weekend. <laughs> so I know the youth are doing a uh, youth prayer and praise evening on the Friday. Uh, and then I'll be wrapping up Nehemiah on the Sunday. Yeah, the, the final installment of Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. Wrapping that up. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. Well, I think that is that is us for this week's podcast. That's just one more thing uh, that you've heard from us. Maybe it's a couple more things there as well. We hope that you find it useful nonetheless. It's been encouraging to to hear responses from people uh, as they've listened to recent episodes. Do keep on sharing that with us. We love hearing from you guys as always. Uh, And if you've enjoyed this episode, go on, subscribe to it, talk about it with your friends, invite friends to come and hear uh, what we're what we're talking about uh, particularly those who might find it useful god bless and we'll catch you soon for just one more thing